Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I'm Hannah. And I'm Tyler. We're here to learn more about the lives of authors that have inspired us, a journey into the stories they not only created, but also lived. So join us as we dive deep into the worlds that live just out of reach. pipe here and uh my big old bag of tobacco and i didn't realize you actually some, had tobacco there's some tobacco in there and oh oh where's oh here we go <laughs> a match wait gonna... do people light pipes with matches uh yeah <laughs> i'm just gonna oh gee <laughs> i hope there's no smoke detector in here <sighs> guys he's actually smoking a pipe right now And now we're uh, I think the talking about Tolkien. I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about Tolkien now. Well done. The mood is really set. It yep. Smells like sulfur and tobacco. So good. Vanilla Cavendish. Yeah, it's a good kind, man. Sounds like some girly tobacco. People, you got to know I'm not joking. I'm actually, I lit a pipe. I'm sucking on it. Ew. <laughs> I'm probably not going to continue. I'm not going to relight it or anything. That was a quick bit where I ruined our entire studio by catching it on fire. So. I know. The match like flew across the room. <laughs> when I blew it out, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was that the was, bit. That was that the was, whole bit. That was setting the mood. Like all you needed was a white beard. Or actually, yeah. Tolkien doesn't really have a beard in most now of the I'm pictures. Now I'm like Gandalf, <laughs> Frodo, and Bilbo, and Bilbo, the dwarves. <laughs> I gotta say, your Gandalf accent is actually not bad. Right? Yeah, that's what he does. On the list of Tyler accents, like that's near the top. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. <laughs> okay, we've derailed this in record time. <laughs> Yes, we have. Let's talk about the guy that invented Jesus. I mean, Gandalf. <laughs> We've been putting this off for a very long for time. For so long. Because we're always like, oh, yeah, we got to do Tolkien eventually. Gotta, Tolkien and Stephen King, I think, are the two ones that you and I have put off the most. And we both this year were like, we got to do these we, two. <laughs> yeah, we survived 2020. We can survive the masters oh see so now for me it's more like we got to do it because we we got to do it before we die <laughs> we came so close last year <laughs> also a good point so yeah so we're finally doing the thing yep uh this is going to be a two-parter because there's a shit ton to cover yeah uh i'm looking at my outline and even part one is a little bit intimidating is it like, I have zero notes. I have There's a lot of stuff. I well, have my pipe and I've got my whiskey and that's it. As per usual, Tyler shows up with alcohol and a pipe and I <laughs> show up usual with thing. a biography. <laughs> okay, as per usual, Tyler doesn't show up with the thing that he's actually supposed to show up with. A book? A book. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my audiobook on my phone. Perfect. What audiobook did you listen to? I went with a audiobook about J.R.R. Tolkien. Good start. Yeah, that's uh, that's how I do. Hold on, now I gotta look it up because Hannah's asking the hard hitting questions. Okay, well while he's looking that up, I read a physical book called J.R.R. Tolkien: A Biography by Humphrey Carpenter. Okay, I got mine. It's J.R.R. Tolkien: The Making of a Legend 
by Colin Derez. Okay, well, it has a cooler title, but I think mine was like the first one written after he died. Yeah, but mine's a legend. Okay, well, okay, points for for good title. Mm-hmm. Uh, Humphrey Carpenter was more interested in the facts. He didn't have time for frivolity. <laughs> <laughs> well, I <I'm> said. <laughs> all right, shall we get into it? Let's get into Tolkien. First of all, what the hell does JRR stand for? I'm going to go with Jehoshaphat Ronald Weasley w- with an R. Uh, <laughs> Reasley. <laughs> uh, Tolkien. You got two of them right. Nailed it. It's John Ronald Rule Tolkien. Rule. I don't know what that is. I thought um, it was Raoul. Spelled R-E-U-L. Reul. Yep. Is it French? I German. Oh, right, because Tolkien is German. Uh, well, uh, he was born January 3rd, 1892 in Blomfontein, South Africa. So technically he's African. Well, his fa- Tolkien is... <laughs> Tolkien is yes, the name. His, his parents were not born in Africa. This was a new one for me, though. I didn't realize that he was South African. I Yeah. I, uh, so the reason he was born there was because his dad, Arthur, um, worked at a bank there mm. um, and was, you know, dreaming of making his fortune there. Uh, his family had once been very wealthy for making Tolkien pianos, oh. which would be super cool to have. A Tolkien uh, piano? Yeah, I don't know where to get those anymore, but they had one in their like house. Um, so yeah, his dad was working in South Africa. His mom, Mabel, came from a family that had also once been pretty wealthy, um, but then her father went bankrupt uh, and was now a traveling salesman. So they have those kind of like bougie roots, not mm. currently bougie. Right. And so Mabel had to wait until she was 21. Wait, to go hold on. So like Ernest Hemingway and H.P. Lovecraft, and there's another one. I can't remember now. Um, probably M.R. James. He's someone who, for some reason, thought that he should be living, or like they should have been living in a better circumstance than what they were born into. Charles Dickens was another one. Yes. Where like, oh, I'm fancy, but I'm the poor kind of fancy. Well, Charles Dickens was like very poor, and his dad was like the pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you can be rich someday. It wasn't But I so thought much that they entitled. came from like some sort of aristocratic sort not aristocratic, but some sort of like family lineage that had money. I think his dad did. Oh, okay. Yeah. But then he like he lost spent it all. recklessly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um but yeah, so Mabel had to wait until the ripe old age of twenty one to mm. go sail to uh South Africa and finally marry Arthur. They'd been like dating in secret. He was a lot older. Uh, so they got married. Dating in secret, you say? Well, like, not like secret, secret, but like, he would come over to her house for like, when they had parties or whatever, and they'd just go flirt in the corner. Because mm. she was a lot young. He was like, in his 30s or something when they got married. I'm sorry. And she was 21? Yeah. So, and they had been like, courting since she was a teenager. It's so kind of weird, man. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> they get married uh, in April 1981 in Cape Town. Uh Ronald, as he was more commonly known, because mm-hmm. I, hell if I know, uh, he was born in January. I, there's a lot of people that go by like their middle names. Yeah, I don't. Know. I have I have a, a family member who she doesn't go by her first name. She goes. She actually goes by uh, her first and middle name put together. It's E B. So oh. It's, it's E B. 
she doesn't. Anywho, moving Well, they should have called him JRR. Why didn't they do that? Anyway, Ronald was born in January, which I feel like if you're doing the math, they got right down to it. You're just so, you're just like, we got too much, Tyler. We got too much to go through, Tyler. (laughs) All right. Sorry. Continue. Uh, And then three years later, he had a brother, uh, Hillary. Yep. Totally normal dude name. Yeah. uh, Join him on the planet. Hillary Duff. (laughs) Hillary Clinton. Woman. Hillary Greenery. What? <laughs> like a green hill. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, smoke your pipe some more. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, growing up in South Africa, um, he had a close call with a tarantula. Right, yeah. Yeah, I read he was about like that. bitten by it and I guess it was semi uh, poisonous because like one of their the like, maid had to like suck, suck out it, the poison. Yeah, yeah, suck the poison out of his hand. Yeah, so that's like one of the only things that he seemed to remember in adulthood about his time in Africa, probably because it was very um, emotionally Traumatic. scarring. But he says that it wasn't. He says that it didn't bother him that much. But then you look at all the big scary things in his stories, and they're almost always spiders. Yeah, so I don't know if maybe like subconsciously subconsciously or <laughs> i'm not maybe afraid of spiders okay dude <laughs> maybe it's one of those things that you're really not afraid of as a kid but then all the adults around you like lose their shit mm. and then you get scared about it or like or the more you think about how traumatic it it was like you you block it as a child and then the more you dig into it i think they say between like 30, 25 and 35 is when like traumatic things end up like somehow resurfacing in most people perfect i'm 26 Get Bring ready on for the it. trauma. Get ready for it. I'm going to be here for you to make sure I record the whole thing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. This is a very healthy friendship. Yes, it is. Um, other anecdotes from his time in Africa involve a monkey eating his clothes. Yeah. And uh, just various snakes lurking everywhere. Yeah. It's South Africa, man. Yeah. So, I don't know. Did any of our other authors have run-ins with wild animals? I feel like Hemingway... Uh, I, mean, I mean, he fought bulls. He fought bulls. Um, Melv- Herman Melville. Yep. He straight up was like running around jungles and, and things with, with animals. Um, didn't didn't Nicholas Sparks get in a fight with a dog or something? I thought I remember that. Oh, no. no. Who got bit by the... Ah, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember now. Somebody, yeah, got messed up by a dog. It might have been Nicholas Sparks. Yeah. Sorry if it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nick. Um, so actually, uh, little Ronald was a little bit delicate, and the heat there was not great for him. So Mabel took the boys to the coast near Cape Town, um, and then when they returned to Blomfontein, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, arranged for them to go back and visit England. Arthur couldn't get away from work because he's a man, and work is very important yeah, so I'm, 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 he work. sent like his wife and a servant or something and they took the like three week ship back across the Atlantic um, so that was in 1985 that was the last 1885 or, sorry, yes 1885 <laughs> God, skipping a whole century uh, and that was the last time they would be in South Africa so really this is not something that Tolkien remembers yeah. much of later on uh, other than just like the barren landscape and a couple words of the language sure um so they were staying with mabel's family and uh, ronald's health got a lot better arthur his dad always wrote that he missed them and wanted to come and join them but he never did and then in uh november of that year he got rheumatic fever uh partially recovered and then got sick again in what january is, what is rheumatic fever i think it's like Specific. Gosh, I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah, because we don't want to sound stupid on our educational podcast. 
It's, we know everything uh, about authors, but not what they die. It from. develops when you get like strep throat or scarlet fever, and it's not properly treated. I guess. Mm. So it's like a an elevated version of strep throat. Because strep throat is already an infection, and so your your brain gets cooked because your body's trying to get rid of the infection. Yeah. So he got like a little bit better, and then got sick again. Um, and Mabel was trying to make arrangements to go and be with him and take care of him, but. Uh, before that happened, she got a telegram to say that he had suffered a hemorrhage, uh, and then the next day he died. And like by the time she even got that news, basically he'd already been buried in a graveyard in Africa. Oh no! Not, Not that like, like they would send his body on a three. Like that would probably be stinky, right? Um, just pack it with salt, bro. Pack it with salt. <laughs> <laughs> pack it with salt. That'll take care of Perfect. your dead bodies. Yeah. Then he's nice and like. Uh, like turned into beef jerky. Ty, by the, Ty time the Bible guy's there. advice for this episode is: got pack. a dead body, need to send it on a three-week week journey. Pack it with salt. That's how the Egyptians did it, right? <laughs> I mean, life advice. So, poor Mabel in her like twenties, now a widow, uh, and living with her parents. Can't imagine what that last part's like. Yeah. Um, so they're living there, and as as a result of this. Um, Tolkien kind of grew up much close, closer with his mom's family. Uh, his dad's family did live very close to them, um, but his grandpa on that side was 89, mm-hmm. and he died, like, pretty soon after Arthur did. Uh, her, the mom's family's name was Suffield. Suffol- Suffield. Suffield. That's mm-hmm. it, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, he didn't have very much of a connection with the Tolkien's, except for one aunt, uh, one of Arthur's younger sisters. She would tell him stories about their ancestors, which always sounded a little bit embellished, but that she uh, maintained were firmly based in fact. Uh, one of the things she claimed was that the family name was originally Von Hohenzollern, and nice. that an ancestor had fought on the side of Archduke Ferdinand in the 1500s. He show- allegedly showed great daring in a raid against the Turks, and as such was given the name Tolkun, which meant foolhardy. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, was this the aunt that also had his favorite cousins? Oh, it could have been. It's Aunt Grace. Okay. I don't know if she's the, the mom of uh, Mary, and I they're, can't remember They're the a pretty big deal. I just wanted to make sure you yes. were going to bring them up. They're going to yeah. show up a little bit later. Because well, the movie didn't. <laughs> we'll get into that later. <laughs> um, but yeah, so despite all of these romantic stories that the Tolkien's like to tell, uh, his childhood was very traditionally English and middle class, like mm. nothing super out of the ordinary there. Um, Almost. <laughs> I mean, there was there was the whole his mom becoming a Catholic thing. That that was pretty out of the ordinary. Well, that hadn't happened yet. <laughs> it was about to happen, like just about to happen. Um. So. 1896 was when Mabel finally found a house cheap enough for her and the boys to move out of her parents and go live on their own. So they moved to a place called Sarahol. English pronunciations are not my strong suit, so sorry. (laughs) But it was this little hamlet in the countryside um, and basically like an ideal place for for two young boys to grow up. Um, There were two millers nearby a father and son who played a big role in their childhood because the tolkien brothers would run across the meadow 
to the mill and stare through the fence at the the water wheel on the mill as it turned and sometimes they would sneak through the fence and go like peer inside the building at the dudes working and for some reason these are like grumpy dudes who would yell at them and chase them off and then they would run away and they called them the white ogre uh the sun because he was always covered in like dust Mm -hmm. and flour or whatever from whenever they were milling Mm -hmm. um so this was basically their whole childhood was annoying farmers and stuff uh, another old farmer who once chased Ronald for picking mushrooms got the nickname the Black Ogre, I think, because of his beard. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. So his little brother, Hillary, uh, when he was an old man looking back on their childhood, described it as, we spent lovely summers just picking flowers and trespassing, <laughs> which is so charming. It's so Hobbit. It is. It literally sounds in my mind like the Hobbit or yeah. like the beginning of Lord of the Rings when they're stealing from the farmer. Yeah, yeah. Um, there weren't a ton of other kids around and the ones that were, were more rough and tumble cause they were like country kids and, sure. uh, Ronald and Hillary were a little bit like sissy city boys compared to them. Yeah. Uh, so they would like, I mean, they, they, he ends up coming out in his own eventually. He does, but they definitely like got off to a rough start with them. They did make some friends. Um, and then Mabel was like, she was homeschooling them pretty much this whole time. She taught, she was pretty well educated uh, and really good at like playing piano and drawing and stuff so she taught the boys a lot including how to write and speak rudimentary latin and french Mm -hmm. um tolkien could read by age four soon learned to write Uh, he wasn't interested in piano but he was good at drawing and would draw a lot of landscapes and trees Uh, and mabel also taught him a lot about plants and botany um, and some of his favorite stories as a child were the fairy books of Andrew Lang, especially ones that featured the tale of Sigurd, who uh, slew the dragon Fafnir. <laughs> can you, can you, wait, can you do that I'm again? I'm not going to say that again. But just more confident. I'm not going to say it more confidently. I don't say it more regal. Like, say it like you're the announcer for the movie of Sigurd and Fafnir. Fafnir. Whatever. <laughs> well, hey, I said it confidently that the, time. No, but do it, do it like announcer style. The tale featured Sigurd, who slew the dragon Fafnir. Fafnir, Fafnir. (laughs) (laughs) So little Ronald uh, was obsessed with dragons, and at seven he wrote his own story about a great green dragon. Mm Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing up the ass right here. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, And then we get to the topic of religion, which you alluded to. So Mabel had taken the boys to an Anglican church their whole childhood, um, but one Sunday they went... The boys were like, oh, we're going a different way this Sunday. And she took them to a Roman Catholic church instead. Like she and her sister, May, I guess, had been talking about this and decided to convert together. I didn't really get from my biography why they wanted to convert. Yeah, I didn't either. I was hoping you were going to have an answer for me. I don't have an answer because uh, Carpenter uh, just kind of is like telling it from the boys perspective where they just show up at a Roman Catholic church one day. I have to wonder, and this is, this is 100% just a stab in the dark. Um, is I know that when I was a kid and my mom was a single mom, I had, I had two single parents, Mm -hmm. right? A single mom and a single dad. And it was kind of annoying. And, um, the thing that, that they get to tell you all the time is that you're their number one you know, priority. Um, and I can, I can see that in a lot of respects. And I think that I see that where my mom pushed me to go to church quite a bit. And I think that it's a, it's a system of support, especially for a single mom, you can get a lot of support there. Um, and so I have to wonder if that's one of the reasons why she decided to go to this other church. Either she had already spoken to them or she already knew what they offered, 
or it's her just hoping to find some support that she wasn't getting from the Anglican church that the Roman Catholic church would offer things like, you know, um, the ability to know that at the very least their son could probably become a priest. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the bottom level of what they could achieve if she joined the, the Roman Catholic church. Um, that means that she's looking out for their future. And I wonder if there's a reason why she taught them Latin. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I just, I can see that if there's no other evidence, me being the armchair psychologist, you know, broken home latchkey kid that I am, that's what I would assume was her motivation. I think that's a plausible hypothesis, especially um, later on when she switches churches again. Not like yeah. religions, but just where the she's church. Going. Yeah, yeah, where she's going. Um, so yeah, so she and her her sister converted together in the spring of 1900. Their family was pissed. Um, yeah. Her father had been brought up Methodist uh, and was at the time that this was happening was a Unitarian. Um, May's, her sister's husband was Anglican and forbade her to associate with the Catholic Church. So she actually had to stop going yeah. uh, and instead turn to spiritualism, which I'm not really <clears throat> sure what that is or was at the time. Uh, at that time, it was really huge, honestly. And, and I could be wrong here. So I apologize if there's someone who knows more about this, but this is off the top of my dome. Uh, I've listened to a lot of the podcast lore, and so that's where a lot of this has come from. But spiritualism at the time was a big movement because there were things like uh, spirit photography. There was the Fox sisters who were saying that they you know, could, could see ghosts and speak with the dead. There was a lot of mediums and psychics and things that were happening. Houdini was an avid uh, contestant against this, constantly trying to prove all of these things false because he was a skeptic um but that just flamed it a little bit more you know um imagine that when you have a uh when you have something that people claim to believe in and then other people say it's wrong and then that just ignites more flame for the people that believe we don't see that at all anymore right um but even even further to that point what you're what you're getting at is the the process in which this woman has been basically excommunicated from her own family because of the church that she ch- decided to go to. And it's really easy for us nowadays to get really kind of hoity-toity about that. I mean, like, I can't believe that um, people would cause such a huge rift because of the church, because of their religion like that. Nowadays, you can be family and be a catholic and a methodist you know you can be best friends and be i'm uh, one of my best friends is a card carrying satan or church of satan member like like that's just how like it's who we are nowadays we're a lot more open about that because we know that the religion itself is not what makes you who you are it's uh it's an outreach of who you are towards something that you identify with but it was opposite back then you were what you went to church as like you, being a Methodist was your identity. Mm-hmm. It was your culture. It was your community. It was where you formed who is Hannah, who is Tyler. It's all based in that community on top of the fact that there was, you know, if we look back, if we look back in time in American history, it's really easy to see that there's still some fresh wounds on a lot of ideological splits. Like back in the 50s, there was the whole red 
uh, hunt, right? Where Red Scare. Red Scare, where people were, you know, communism is bad. And that still proliferates today to the point where when people are like, hey, socialism, we should look at it. And everyone's like, oh, you're a freaking communist. Like there's that that evilness that they that they have. And um, and it's it's these ideological lines that people have drawn back in the day. It was the same way, but there was the whole war between, um, you know, Protestant and Catholic religions that was not necessarily fresh, but it was still relevant. Um, You know, when when Martin Luther stepped away from the Catholic Church and basically started his own religion, that was that was a big deal. And and to say, you know, there's there's a whole history there that that we can look at. And and I think it's important. And I think that's why a lot of critics didn't like the Tolkien movie, because it didn't touch this at all. And it was really, really important to who Tolkien was um, and, and who he becomes as an adult and, and the actions that he takes and the things that he does. Um and so that's why it's important to me. That's why I wanted to touch on it a little bit more because obviously I'm a religious person. So I, you know, I identify with this sort of conversation and it's, it's a big deal. And I don't think it's worth, I think it's worth more than just going, yeah, it's kind of crazy. All right. So also, you know, like moving on, that was my thing. That was my whole thing there. Well, luckily we're gonna gonna get lots of chances to uh, revisit religion in Tolkien's life. Are we? <laughs> yeah. No, no. This, after That's this, he's it. an atheist. Yeah, he's like it's done. Yeah. No, so now here he is, uh, like eight, nine years old, um, and mostly cut off from his family. Yeah. Um, so Mabel's back to being totally single mom. She's not getting a lot of help. She's now also taking up their uh, instruction in the Catholic religion too. Um, and at this point, it's time for Ronald to go to prep school. So he gets into King Edwards um, in the fall of 1900. Um, the previous year, he'd actually failed to get in because in this, like, archaic old society, seven-year-olds are taking entra- entrance exams to get into, like, elementary school, which is so freaky to me. That's like, so weird. I'm sure they still you, do that. I feel like, in, like it'd be the opposite. <laughs> Right? Like, they'd be like, yeah, we don't know how education works yet. Let's just let everybody show no, up. No, it's like you have to, you, your child, yeah. your single-digit age child has to pass a test to get yeah. into school. And the previous year, he failed. Look, if your child at seven <laughs> years old can't do this, he might as well just become a farmer now. Right? He should have gone <laughs> to so work for dumb. the ogres. Yeah. Um, but this time he gets in, um, and a Tolkien uncle who actually kind of liked Mabel paid the fees, so he was able to start going to school because- no public school back then. Yeah, but then he found out she's Catholic, right? And then he was like, I'm not paying for any more of this stuff. Is is that so was it a secret from the Tolkens before? Like was he just late to the party? I thought he was just the one like weird uncle who didn't care. I don't know. I just <laughs> remember hearing something to the effect of like he was like, Yeah, I'm never paying for these kids to go to school anymore because you're Catholic. And I was thinking about that because I was like, I wonder like why didn't he ask for a refund? If he's that angry, why didn't he ask for his money back? Like, is it just, oh, it's already spent. It's It already went to the school, so It would have to be a special kind of douchebag to ask a widow, single mom for a refund, I mean, which it, he could be. Yeah, you know? if you're going to be a douchebag and say, no, I don't, you're not allowed to talk to us because of what you believe, who's, who knows how far you're willing to go? So, for the first few weeks of school, um, Tolkien had to walk most of the four miles between his house and the school because uh, his mom couldn't afford the train fare. So, pretty soon, his mom was like, you know, this isn't going to work out anymore. So, they they moved out of the country and into the city, Hmm. uh, which was 
a huge change for him. Yeah. Because they loved living in the country. Uh, and looking back, he called the, the four years that they lived out there the longest seeming and most formative part of his life. Mm. Um, so they moved into a suburb, which couldn't have been more different. The houses were all crammed together. And when he looked out the window, he just saw like a sea of roofs with the occasional factory tower breaking it up, yeah. which is like so dismal and like Dickensian to me. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Seriously. Like I just imagine the beginning of uh, Christmas Carol. Right. <laughs> Even though it's not London, it's just a suburb, but still. Um, and then in early 1902, uh, so when he's about 10 years old, uh, they moved again and they had to switch schools to a less expensive one called St. Philip. It also happened to be right next door to their new house um, because Mabel had found a new church um, in that area, uh, the Birmingham, Birmingham Oratory. And she became good friends with one of the priests there, Father Francis Xavier Morgan. And he would be a huge influential character on Tolkien's life. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I was uh, I was. I was on edge just about any time he was referenced in Why? my book. I just you thought he was gonna be weird. Yeah, I don't either towards them, the kids, or towards the mom. You know, uh, there were no hints at anything going on between him and the mom, but they seemed to be really good friends. And I, I'm not saying that there was. I'm not even trying to slightly insinuate Tyler, that's that. That's your and whole thing. I know it is. <laughs> that's why I'm trying to make sure people understand. I'm not insinuating that at all you're I think so strongly not insinuating it that you're insinuating that, I, that I'm actually reverse insinuating <laughs> look I'm not saying that he came over to her house at night while the kids were sleeping and all the priests were asleep and that he snuck in and they had a little fiddle faddle and then he went back to his priestly duties that's not what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> no I legitimately I, I, I was happy it's funny because we talk about these people's lives like they are a story, right? Like it, it happened and now it's over and we can <laughs> we can like pull it apart, dissect it like it's a story. But I am happy in the way that things kind of turned out where there is for once a, a priestly, a, a fatherly, a religious person who is actively working towards the good of a person's life, even when it pisses that person off, right? Like there's there was no... M no malintention, no, no anything, but like, look, this is what's best for you. And even if I have to be the fucking asshole that, that does it, I'm going to do the best thing for you. And that's what he was to Tolkien. Mm -hmm. And it made me really happy that for once the Catholic guy wasn't the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Father Francis. Good job. Father Francis. Yeah, so he's he's going to stick around in this story for a while. Uh, meanwhile, Tolkien is way outpacing his classmates at St. Philip's, so uh, Mabel starts homeschooling him again. Then a few months later, he wins a scholarship, scholarship because that's a thing that 10-year-olds win yep. back in the day. Oh, I remember when I won <laughs> my first scholarship at 10 years old. It was great. Right? And so yeah. he was able to go back to King Edward's in fall of 1903. Uh, he was a star student. He was learning Greek, uh, excelled in his literature class. Ha Real quick, and just because I don't know your outline, have you? We're gonna get to languages. <laughs> are yeah the the Welsh language and his love for Welsh. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, Welsh was like started from seeing it on signs. And yeah, like that's what I was gonna because it happened when he moved to the city. Yeah. And he was seeing a lot of Welsh signs and trucks that were delivery trucks, and it was Welsh written on delivery trucks, and he would try and read it, and he started to figure out what I was saying. Right. Uh, so. I don't think he formally studied it until quite no. a bit later. Yeah. But yeah, that's but just it was like that the kind of kid he is, where yeah. he's like, oh, that... I don't understand what the hell those words say. That's really interesting my, to me. My nephew, he is 
it's so insane. You can sit down with him, and I'm I'm a 30 year old man. I feel like I have a pretty good idea of how aerodynamics work and how a plane is capable of flying, right? And then I talk to a 10 year old child, and he's like, "No, no, 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 Uncle Tyler." So according to this, the this type of plane has this much horsepower, which means it pulls this much and it has this much drag, so it can move at this speed. And I'm like. But it, it cuts the air, right? That's how it works. <laughs> like I straight kids, up don't know how planes work. <laughs> yeah, when kids learn, like they can dissect stuff so well, it's insane. Yeah, I can't even imagine talking to little little Tolkien. Where's our little Tolkien shirt? Little Tolkien. Ah, fuck. Okay, nope. Don't go down that rabbit hole yet. We've got the we've new, got business it's to be do. The next T-shirt. I'm telling you right now. So things are going really well, and as we know, whenever things are going really well for an author, something shitty has to happen after that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Come on now. So uh, 1904, Ronald and Hillary both get measles. Then I think it's Hillary who gets whooping cough. Uh, and then at some point it turns into like pneumonia for them. The strain of caring for them was too much for Mabel, uh, and she got some health problems of her own started deteriorating and in the spring she was hospitalized with what turned out to be diabetes yep insulin treatment was not around yet this nope. is a very bad time to have diabetes as well, opposed I think to all, all the good times i was gonna say i think any time before insulin was a bad <laughs> to all of history <laughs> at this point they know what diabetes is they just but don't know there's how to... nothing to do about it oh man um can so you yeah. imagine when they're gonna talk about cancer that way Whew. like they're gonna be this like this was a really bad time, time for to have yeah. I mean, they knew what it was. Do you can you believe that they would they would try and treat it with radioactive waste? <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> Everyone knows you need to stand out in the sun for ten days. <laughs> Isn't that also treating it with radioactive waste? Not waste. Not yeah. when the sun makes it. It's radioactive um, gold. So by the summer, Mabel's feeling well enough to leave the hospital. Father Francis that freaking hero that he is arranges for the family to go stay um at this country house that is like a retreat for the priests um there's like a cottage that the postman and his wife live in and they let the family move into a room in that cottage Hmm. so he like freaking puts them up in a country house so mabel can like get some relaxation they got the boys can like play again uh it's like being back in their childhood home uh they did have to go back to school in september and Mabel's condition started to deteriorate. And in early November, she collapsed into a, a diabetic coma and died a few days later. She was still, like, in the cottage. So I'm yeah. not sure, like, if they, like, went back for a vacation or something. But mm. she was still at the retreat house. Mm. So very sad. Uh, now the boys who are, like, at four, 12, 14, uh, they're orphans now. <laughs> Mabel named Father Francis guardian of the boys in her will, which is like, this is not a biological relative. Like, that no. just shows how close they were. Yeah. Um, He had to find somewhere for Almost them to live. Almost like he live. was the dad the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Completely untrue. I'm not. There's nothing. Nothing. There is no. She was in fucking South Africa when they were born. (laughs) Hello, father. Father. Huh? (laughs) Anyway. Back to the fact. (laughs) Father Francis has to find somewhere for these two young boys to live because obviously they can't live like in the 
in the church. Like, right. Um, Which they did for a little bit, though, didn't they? Like, they were staying with him in the in, uh, in the church? I think they just spent a lot of time there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, he also had to take into account the fact that, like, most of the Suffield and Tolkien relatives were totally out of the question because they would try to convert them away from Catholicism. From Catholicism, yeah. So, he finally found one... Um, Which, by this time, just real mm-hmm. quick... Tolkien is 100% yeah. in the in the Roman Catholic Church, and he loves it. Mm-hmm. Like, he is a part of the church. It's not one of those, like, well, my mom brought me here, so I'm going to do this. He is a Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Father Francis finds a Suffield aunt uh, named Beatrice, who's not really religious one way or the other, mm-hmm. sends the boys to live with her. She wasn't mean, but she also, like, was not a nice person. Uh, one of the examples in the biography I read was that Ronald found one day that she had burned all of his mom's personal letters yeah. and like papers and writings just not even considering that he might want to keep them right so i don't know if she was like cruel dumb. or just thoughtless <laughs> yeah just a dumb person so that wasn't that never really felt like home to them they spent most of their time at the oratory it was really close um so they would basically get up go there the oratory for people who don't know is where catholic priests live and yes. work i just, thought it was a place where you go to orate I I think they pontificate there for sure but yeah fancy words (laughs) so yeah so I mean and that shows like how dedicated he was to their religion too they like they went to hang out at the church for fun basically yeah um so by the next fall hey I did that as a child weirdo (laughs) no judgment but weirdo (laughs) actually you have a lot in common I was on youth staff and Hung out at the church. Yes. Tolkien was like the early 1900s version of Tyler. Ty Ty the Tolkien. Or, <gasps> damn it. It doesn't work because it's Ty Ty the Tolkien guy. Um, <laughs> R.R. the. Bible guy? Um, I'm going to work. It. I'm you're going to you think. Keep, you're you not going to listen to anything yeah, I you say. You keep spitting facts. I got to work on this. Ronald's still kicking ass and taking names in school. Uh, he's adding even more languages to his belt. He's got Latin, Greek, German, French at that point. He's also getting interested in Old English because he read Beowulf and Middle English because uh, he read Chaucer and the Canterbury Tales. Eventually adds Spanish because why the hell not? Old Norse and Finnish too. And at this point, he starts getting motivated. And like you mentioned with the seeing Welsh on the on the buses, he's starting to get motivated to find out why languages are what they are, not just like, you know, how to speak a language. So he wants to know like their bones, the elements that are common across all languages, the science behind it. He finds German books on philology, which is the love of words. I'd never heard that word before. Um, Guess books- he didn't have enough philology for... <laughs> never mind. You were about to get there. I was almost there. So the books were super boring, especially for a kid, um, but they helped provide answers to his questions about language. As a result, Tyler, pay the heck attention. Oh, sorry. I'm working on RR the Bible Gar. Nope. Doesn't That's, work. Oof, Tried. St- stop trying. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, he starts trying to invent his own languages, and he's collaborating on this with his cousin Mary. Because Mary was like a twin <laughs> or something. Sound, you make it sound so like like a YouTuber. Hey, what's up, fam? Today I'm gonna collaborate with my cousin. <laughs> yes, yeah, he's collaborating. He's the Peter McKinnon of, of uh, <laughs> he's TikToking. Yeah. <laughs> no, he and he and Mary um, start making their own languages. Mary. I think she was a twin, um, mm. and so they 
like her and her twin originally had like their own their little own language, language yeah. and then her sister wasn't into it anymore oh really I didn't know that he just said it was two the two sisters yeah the other him. sister kind of like outgrew it quote mm. unquote the uh, twin who was yeah. the same age I'm pretty sure they were the same age yeah um, well so, if they're twins oh I don't know if they were twins or not <laughs> <laughs> they were his two cousins gotcha <laughs> Um, so they start making their own language and their first one is called Nevbosh or the new nonsense. Yo, what's up fam? I'm collabing with my cousin here. We've decided to create a new language called Nevbosh. <laughs> Give it a try. And these little <laughs> nerds wrote limericks in it and would yeah. like recite them back and forth to each other. Um, but Tolkien, he's a serious fella. And the new nonsense was just not going to cut it. So he wanted to make a more serious sounding language too and also started developing his own alphabets. What the hell is wrong with this kid? (laughs) Like, honestly. I did that in eighth grade. Play some video games. I made my own language in eighth grade. Actually, uh, my best friend in middle school and I did too. And then um, some like bitchy popular girl found a note that we had written each other and then she tried to like imitate it and showed it to a teacher and said we had like threatened to kill somebody and it turned into this whole drama so kids if you make up your own language don't leave your notes sitting around i'm sorry i've known you for almost two years now and i did not know that you wrote threatening language i didn't write a threat no the other girl found (laughs) our note and she like tried she like just she was just jealous yeah I, well, no. We, we were weirdos. So. No, but she was jelly for sure. <laughs> that she couldn't be in on this language. Maybe. Yeah. But I, when we saw the note, we were like, this is clear. Like, this doesn't make any sense. This is not our. See, mine. Like, was, you're using the letters wrong. Mine was just you take the top of the letter and you cut it out. And then you flip what's left upside down and you got your, you got your language. You have a lot of eyes. Yeah, it was not a. I didn't say it was good. <laughs> I can still. I, ours didn't really have much of a reason. It was just like random symbols, uh, but I can still remember it. And like semi recently, when I've been writing private stuff, I've just like transitioned to writing like notes to myself in the code language. Wait, so you still know your I code language? I still remember most of it. It like takes me a second to get into it, but I can remember can most of it. Can you please write that out for our patrons? Yes. So our patrons can know a secret language that only <laughs> th- only we all know. It's going to be really embarrassing compared to Tolkien's, but yes, I will do it. What's the name of this language? It doesn't have a language. It was just Does it have a sound? No, it's just like letters. It's right. just like so code. So it's just code. Yeah. So it's not an actual language. It's not language. a language. No, it's just a fake alphabet. I'll, I'll put I'll ma- I'll make some sound with it. Perfect. We'll get we'll get this going for sure. Okay, we're getting to high school now. Okay. <laughs> and his first love. <gasps> That's what we call a tease. No, his first love is language. <laughs> his only love is language. That's not true. <laughs> no, he He also loves the ladies. He, he also lady. loves the lady. The lady. So, okay. <laughs> so one of the things, going back to um, their living situation, Father Francis, he would take them on vacation every summer because he's just a chill dude, apparently. Um, and on one trip, he realized how unhappy Pappiness they were living with, his, with their aunt. I don't know if Father Francis smoked a pipe. Oh, he smoked a pipe. Okay. He's a father in the early 1900s. He smoked a friggin' pipe. <laughs> okay. So Father Francis figures out how much they hate living with uh, their aunt. So mm-hmm. he tries to find them a better place to live. He finally settled on um, 
this woman who lived near the oratory, she like rented rooms out. So he got them a room there. Um, there were several other lodgers there, including 19-year-old Edith Bratt. Mm-hmm. And at this point... Uh, He's like 15 years old. He's like 16. Uh, There's a three-year age difference there. I thought it was four. That's fine. Three years is fine. Four's not. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, now. (laughs) So uh, Edith was also an orphan, uh, which is kind of why she was living there, and an illegitimate child. So she (gasps) has very uh, saucy origins. Well, yeah. So like not just an orphan. It's not like her. Both her parents died. She. 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 Her dad was still alive by all. By all accounts, he could have been. Yeah, but she his, never said who he was. But yeah, she like it was like, yo, my mom got knocked up, and the dad was just never there. Mm-hmm. And then the mom died and was out of the picture, and the dad was just never there. So she was left on her own. Well, the mom kind of like had her in secret too. Like she left town when she was like because she was like she she, she was oldish for the time. She like had Edith in her thirties. Yeah, think. but she was also from like a like a nice family right yeah so it was yeah. probably a disgrace yeah Poor of course edith. classic move yeah um but edith like very pretty girl uh amazing at piano uh so she went to like a boarding school that specialized in music but after she left school it wasn't clear what she would do next because she's a woman and there's not very many options for the women so her the person who was like in charge of her living situation was like okay just move in with this this person and stay out of everyone's way so, oh that's what happened to me oops so uh living there edith and ronald become really good friends um yeah they do yeah yeah they do like real good uh they started start going out to like tea shops all the time because this is england gonna go get some tea they get up to uh they're like kind of assholes a little bit i mean they're teenagers they're teenage uh they one of the things that they would do is go to tea shops that have like a balcony above and they would throw sugar lumps into the hats of people walking by Mm -hmm. then when they ran out of sugar at one table they'd move to another one and keep doing it yeah which uh edith you're 19 like act a little more mature please yeah come on just because your mom's dead doesn't mean you get to act however you want duh Um, and then another thing they did was they invented a private whistle. So if Ronald heard it, he would go to his window um, at their, <laughs> their place and lean yeah. out and see Edith waiting out her window below. Yeah, waiting for that whistle, girl. Can you blow my whistle? <laughs> wow. Good Lord. Not even I took it that far. <laughs> well, now I've just got that song stuck in my you head. You used so. to whistle at my window. Huh? <laughs> Some Drake up in here. Very nicely. Done. I need to find a karaoke version of Drake and play that when I when I go back and edit it. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, spoiler alert: uh, they fall in love. No. Yeah. Right. Ronald, this whole time is supposed to be concentrating on getting a scholarship to Oxford, mm-hmm. uh, but he gets distracted by by the lady. I mean, that's and also that's what languages. the father thinks. That's what father, what's his name, thinks is that father he's distracted Francis. by the ladies. Yeah. So. Lady. It seems like at this point, Father Francis doesn't know. But right. toward the end of fall 1909, uh, they plan this secret like romantic bicycle trip out into the countryside. They plan it all out. They leave at different times and tell everyone they're going different destinations. Uh, but then they spent the afternoon together. Their fatal mistake was getting tea in town. Uh, and a woman, the woman who sold them tea, told the caretaker at the oratory house that Ronald had visited with an unknown girl. The caretaker told the cook, and the cook told Father Francis, and Father Francis was like, what the hell? Yo, dude. What's up? You ain't got yeah. tea without me? Bruh. So, Father Francis was 
furious for a couple of reasons. One, the main one, I think, was that he didn't get invited to go get tea. Yes, he <laughs> wanted to go on the trip. He does so much for these kids. No, he was mad that he felt like Ronald wasn't focusing on school. Yeah, and also to make matters worse, Edith is Protestant, <gasps> not no! Catholic. Son of a bitch. Yep. So he has the boys move to a new house. And tells Ronald to break off the relationship. You gotta stay away from those Protestants. Yep. Uh, Ronald obeyed. uh, I mean, because he loves Father Francis. He respects him. Father Francis is also, like, responsible for them. Sure. He has the the purse. He pulls the purse strings. And also, like, social conventions at the time are just, like, you respect your guardians. Yeah, it's Uh, not like nowadays. When Yeah. That would not... (laughs) fly with most American uh, 16-year-olds. <laughs> nah, bro. Um, and so, okay, so getting into Oxford, he fails to earn a scholarship the first round, probably because he was off gallivanting with a woman. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, Idiot. So shortly after this, he meets up with Edith again in <gasps> secret. They spend the day together. She tells him she's <laughs> moving. Yeah, they spent the day together. Uh, someone sees them again, and this time Father Francis is even harsher. He tells Ronald that he can see Edith one more time to say goodbye, and after that, they can't see each other or even write letters to each other until Ronald turns 21. Yeah, man. And at this point, he's like 18. Yeah. Um, And at 21, Father Francis would no longer be responsible for him because apparently 21 was the age back then. I don't know. I, I, it, d- I didn't get that. I thought that the age you became an adult in England was 17. I would think it would be, yeah, even younger than it is now. But it's like Mabel had to wait until she was 21 to go marry Arthur. Uh, her know. son has to wait until he's 21 to be allowed to date a girl. I, don't ask me about social conventions in the early 1900s <laughs> in England. I'm an American-born <laughs> citizen of 2000s. You were born in the 1900s, too. I mean, but I was, I'm a product of the 2000s. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. I'm a 9-11 kid. (laughs) Glossing right over that. Um, So Ronald is, you know, basically single now. Uh, He's getting, this is when he starts really getting into like the male intellectual culture that I think is going to define a lot of his life, too. Um, At at King Edward's, uh, his friends start TCBS, uh, and that's basically an informal group that they originally called the Tea Club. They started it in the summer term when exams were going on for several weeks, and basically, like, if you weren't taking a test, you didn't have much else to do. So they started having tea in the school library uh, and just chatting about, like, literature and whatever shit, like, 1900s teenagers talk about. Basically, Um, it was a podcast. Yeah, it was basically a podcast without any microphones. Yeah. Uh, at some point, they moved on to having it at, like, an actual tea shop uh, that was called Barrow's Stores, um, and they added Barovian Society to the title, so that's why the TCBS uh, acronym. But these are guys that, like, would be Tolkien's friends for much of his young adult life. Yeah. Um, he also played a lot of rugby when he was, like, finishing up school. He went to Oxford again in December 1910, and this time he did much better on the tests. He got an open classical exhibition to Exeter College. Um, and that basically gave him enough money that with additional help from Father Francis, he was able to attend the university. So basically at this time, universities aren't what they are now, where now you go to a university and you have your study course and you go do what your major is and pray, maybe your minor. Um, 
back then universities were different in that basically you would it's different colleges that are all combined into one campus. That's mm-hmm. why it's university one university. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean it's still called university in England, but we call it college here. So our colleges are similar to what universities are in England because like if you go to a state school you still sometimes go to like a college within that like I went to the honors college at Washington State or something or you go to like the journalism school or something within that so yeah so he's going to Exeter which is a college within Oxford yeah um which sometimes uh as far as I was able to see sometimes an entire college would just be one professor that's crazy yeah I mean that professor is just like I mean, the class sizes were probably tiny, but... Yeah. So it's just crazy. It's just a, a different... It's a, It was a different lifestyle all around. Right. Um, one of the final things that I wanted to note before he actually starts at um, Oxford is after his final term in school, he, his brother Hillary, one of their aunts, and then um, several like friends or acquaintances go on this walking tour of Switzerland. I don't know if you... Yeah, this is that. not a small deal. This is a yeah. huge deal. Yeah. Like, this is... If this didn't happen, I don't think we would have The Hobbit. I don't think we would have Lord of the Rings. Well, yeah, well, we, we wouldn't, wouldn't have, have Lord either. of the Rings because we wouldn't have the Hobbit. So. so the the walking tour, they like took mountain paths. They slept rough. What does this sound like to you? Yeah, they almost died they, on a on a mountain pass when something fell, like a piece, a rock or something. Because fell. Sauron, like yeah, the the, the, <laughs> the thunder mountain. giants were fighting while they were walking around, and then a giant rock came by, and his aunt had to move him out of the way. And he's all like, tip tap, wait, oh, thanks very much. And then he moved on with his life. <laughs> um, at the very end of the trip, though, he bought some postcards. And did your guy talk about this? No. Oh, my God. So one of the postcards that uh, he saved was a painting by a German artist that showed an old man sitting on a rock under a tree. He had a long white beard and wore a wide brimmed hat and a long cloak. What? Uh, in the distance were some rocky mountains. Uh, Tolkien kept this and would later write on the like sleeve that he kept it in, Origin of Gandalf. <gasps> no. Yep. Some Swedish guy came up with Gandalf. Some German guy. German guy <laughs> came up with Gandalf. Yep. Plagiarism. Yeah. There, you heard <laughs> it here, folks. Tolkien is not original. So that's like the first thing that I saw that was... Like, this is specifically tied to... Like, all of his experience obviously tie into his writing later on, but this is the first moment that, like, you see the origins of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I I mean, I think that this was a a really big deal for him. I was going to bring it up earlier. I think that also something that we didn't really touch on is that he did actually like his mother's family more than the Tolkien's. I said that early on. Just... Because he spent so much more time with right. them. But I mean... <clears throat> and the Tolkien's were like he, much older too. Yeah. And so he saw himself more as a Suffin, Suffield. Suffield. He saw himself as more of a Suffield than a Tolkien um, in in all all aspects. And I think that that's really, really interesting. And, and it's easy to glaze over that. And it's something that I hadn't realized until I rewatched all of the... Uh, <clears throat> All of the Lord of the Rings and Hobbits movies in one sitting. Not one sitting, but like one one week area period. I was going to say one sitting would be yeah. like 24 hours. It would be insane. So uh, not to get super into the into the Lord of the Rings lore and stuff, but there's, um, there's Bilbo, mm-hmm. right? Um, and Frodo. Um, Frodo is Bilbo's 
nephew, and I'm so sorry if there's fans out there that already know where I'm going, and I get this wrong, I do apologize. Um, Frodo is Bilbo's nephew from the Took side of the family, though. And so, um, or no, during it to heck, Bilbo's mom was a Took, and his dad was a Baggins. And the Baggins were the ones that were known for being like stay at homes, you know, busybodies, just kind of doing their own thing at home, gardening, and never wanting to go out. But the Tooks were a family of adventurous types of hobbits. Like they were the ones that would go out and and see the world a little bit more. And so, like in the Hobbit, when you're seeing this struggle in in Bilbo, it's um it's the struggle in the family like where his name is baggins but he is more of a took and so when the adventure comes calling he wants to act the way that a baggins would Mm -hmm. but he can't help but be the way that a took would be and then later on with frodo and mary and pippin frodo is also has some connection to the tooks and i know Pippin does. Pippin is a Took. Yes. Uh, fool of a Took. Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> your first clue. Tuk. Yeah. Um, and so, like, so there's still that connection of, like, the the family name versus the family virtue sort of thing, the, the family aspect. And I think that that's, that was a huge thing for him, so big that it made it into his story even 50 years after he really started to realize this about himself. I think that makes a lot of sense. And that is not something that I had put together before because <laughs> I have not recently uh, binge watched all of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, they're, the Lord of the Rings are great. The Hobbit, the first one is good. I still have not watched any of the Hobbits <clears throat> because I am afraid because so many people have. The first shit all one of them. is good. Except uh, for some of the added characters. Some of the added characters? Yeah, there was... I remember one, like, diehard Lord of the Rings fan when it first came out. She was, like, pissed because they, like, added the um, elf, like, love interest. No, she's not in the first one. She's Just the, the fir- I'm oh, talking okay. the first one. The second then two, don't, want, don't even watch the second two. They're not even important. Okay. Just don't watch them. First, the first one, one it is. Yeah. All right, continue. Sorry. We can go to Oxford now. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got my pipe. So packs up his things and he goes to Oxford um, and at this time I mean as we kind of alluded to it's a very different university sort of uh, than what we're used to now also from a like social standpoint too most of the people who were in college were from upper class families or even aristocratic families um, the few others like Tolkien were considered the poor scholars even if they weren't technically poor um, but because they could only be there because of scholarships yeah and uh, the rich <clears throat> group could be really really freaking snobby to the poor group yeah. Luckily, Exeter College didn't have as much of that. Um, it was a little more laid back there. But there were still some obstacles. One of the things um, that I was reading about was Oxford just put up this very luxurious lifestyle, including having servants who waited on undergrads, like bringing meals to their rooms. But you had to pay for them, which sure. seems like, yeah, it's not like a meal plan. Um, so it was like expected that you would you would pay them and tip them a little bit. And then at dinner, it was custom to accept an offer of beer or wine from your friends, but inevitably you have to return that favor, like you buy the next round. Um, So after about a year there, Tolkien wrote that he had, quote, a good few bills unaccounted for, um, and that in general money was not a cheerful subject. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) Um, But he still threw himself into university activities like rugby, debate, and he started his own club called the Apollostics. 
I, I don't know how to print it. Sorry. I can't see the words. Apolistics, uh, which was those devoted to self-indulgence. Mm. So it was filled with freshmen like him. There were discussions, extravagant dinners, uh, debates. And this was around the time he had started smoking a pipe, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, keep mm-hmm. that handy for the rest of this episode. <laughs> um, so basically, it was like a more sophisticated version of TCBS. It's all these college dudes now drinking beer and wine instead of tea sure. and having more educated discussions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's basically like the male intellectual culture 2.0. Because one of the things was that while some women did attend lectures at Oxford, um, they lived in ladies' colleges on the outskirts of the city. Thanks to M.R. James. Yeah, fucking M.R. James. <laughs> <laughs> and they had to be severely chaperoned whenever they approached a young man, according to this biography. I feel like we're building a Between Lewis and Lovecraft universe. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like authors we hate and authors we like. Yeah, Tolkien and Lewis are like just around the edges of each other. And we got to have our Nick Fury that introduces them to each other at some yeah. point. So, I mean, it's basically, like, a very, like, macho culture. Or, like, not macho, but, like, it's just dudes hanging out with other dudes. Just dudes talking being about guys, dude man. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, even though they're, like, supposedly very bright, they get up to a lot of, like, tomfoolery and pranks. Like, did you hear anything about them, like, going out on the town and, like... On- commandeering a bus at one point like i was very confused about uh, what was going on i didn't hear that in my audiobook but the tolkien movie does bring that up and uses that as the catalyst for him getting kicked out of oxford that didn't happen which is why the movie <laughs> I'm so confused wasn't that great <laughs> okay well the tomfoolery happened yeah. um they sounded like assholes um, <laughs> but yeah uh, and also at this time Tolkien starts falling into lazy habits he starts sleeping in on Sundays instead of going to church um, he's not studying or working as hard as he should be and all of this without even having Edith around so it wasn't her fault after all yeah in my audio book in my biography they he talks about how a lot of people saw him as very lazy very unmotivated but what they didn't see is all the stuff he was working on around school like his books and ideas and languages and stuff yeah so i think part of the problem is not so much that he's lazy it's that he gets really hyper focused on certain things that aren't necessarily uh what he quote unquote should be focused on Uh so yeah while he's like not going to church he's yet again pointing at himself yet again exactly like (laughs) me so yeah so he's he's not doing as well at school as he should be um and he's also feeling kind of bad because he's falling out of his religion a little bit he's not dedicated uh he's not studying it on the side tyler's playing <laughs> himself uh, and all the while he's still pining for edith but he can't write to her poor poor tolkien yeah uh and then uh my biography says that in the middle of the night on january 3rd 1913 the now 21-year-old Tolkien sat up in bed and finally wrote a letter to Edith. Yeah. He did not waste any time. Yeah. Uh, and in the letter, he asked her to marry him. Yeah. And then he heard back from her. And she said, what, Tyler? New phone, who dis? <laughs> <laughs> Close. Uh, she said she was engaged to be married to another man because- He's she, really nice. Yeah. His name he, was George. He's really, he's a really nice guy. He was like a friend or he was the brother of her friend. He goes to my church and, uh, you know, I play 
piano at the church now and he's really nice and you know we get along really well and you know this is just the life that i'm supposed to live so i'm gonna just stay here stay here and be a church lady so uh yeah and she included that she didn't think ronald would want to see her again after so long which i feel like is reasonable like three years no no call and he's off at college yeah like, I, I feel like I would do the same exact thing. And but yet, let's talk about one of the best things about Ronald. He has been pining for her this whole time. He's a good-ass dude. He is. He it's doesn't cheat Edith the on his time. girl. He doesn't marry her after three months. He doesn't go crazy. He's, he wants her. He only wants only her. Yep. So less than a week after getting her letter, he travels by train to go see her. She meets him on the platform. They walk off and spend like the whole afternoon mm-hmm. talking. Yeah, talking. Talking. <laughs> talking oh, with Tolkien. I talk with my wife all the time. Yikes. By the end of it, uh, Edith tells him she's going to break off her engagement and marry him instead. She uh, writes to George, gives him back the ring. Done. Done. Here's your ring, bitch. I she found was nice someone. About it, I, think. I found someone poorer <laughs> and more needy than you. Um. So now, with the the love of his life back with him, everything's uh, perfect. It's all good. Smooth sailing from here. Totally. Yeah. Uh, he's at least able to focus on on university more. Uh, he gets he gets really dedicated. He tries to cram about two years worth of work into six weeks, uh, but does manage to make second class on the honor moderations, which are very important tests. Blah, blah, uh, blah, blah, yeah. blah. He did get one nearly faultless score in his favorite subject, comparative philology, <gasps> the love no. of words. So yes, he was doing something. Um, and then uh, the other thing that's happening in the uh, early 1900s, Tyler, what's, what's going on in the world? Uh, there's this thing called peace, love, and happiness, and it's being spread around. Nothing bad. It's called the assassination of Duke Franz Ferdinand. That was his name? Archduke Franz Ferdinand, yes. Archduke? Damn it, I was so close. He's dead, and now the world's at war. Yep. Should I do more of no, my, it's okay. my early so, 1900s yeah, World War One is going I on, Transatlantic. Uh, men are enlisting left and right, but Men Tolkien- are enlisting left and right. Wanted to stay at Oxford <laughs> until he finished his degree. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that, including that he knew he was a, quote, young man with too much imagination and little physical courage. So basically, he's kind of a pansy. Uh, unlike C.S. Lewis, who very much wanted to enlist, if we remember way back to that episode. That was a, a long year time and a ago. half ago. Yeah. That was almost two years ago since we recorded that. Yep. Damn. So Tolkien uh, figures out a way for him to train for the army while still in school and then defer enlisting until after he gets his degree. Mm. Um, How? Can he explain that to us so we can all do that, please? It's like he like goes to trainings a lot, Mm. um, but it's not like on the the battlefield. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not a war expert, by the way. But oh, that's why I brought you on the I know, show, right? Hannah. What the hell? <laughs> um, so in June of 1915, he uh, basically he gets first class honors in his final English exams, which gives him a good chance of getting a job in academics uh, when the war is over. Mm-hmm. After that, he starts training in earnest uh, with the military. And in early 1916, he decided to specialize in what will not surprise us at all signaling so basically he's learning morse code how to use signal rockets and send messages by heliograph which is using a mirror to like reflect light and even how to send carrier pigeons so he's still using like codes and stuff 
<laughs> cute. <laughs> That's just going to sound great in the, in yeah, the ear in holes. The in the headphones for all of our listeners. Um, so with his deployment to France looming and like everybody recognizing that this is a really fucking terrible it's war. It's a terrible war. Like, hey, so- just a shout out. If you guys want to know how awful this war is, go listen to Hardcore History's Blueprints of Armageddon series. It's a 20-hour series podcast about World War One, and it's insane. It's literally one of the greatest podcasts I've ever listened to. Okay, pause this, go listen, come back for the conclusion. No, stay here. Um, listen so yeah. listen to that while you're waiting for part two of talking. Perfect. So, yeah, this is a bad situation. He, there's a very real chance that he could die. So he and Edith decide to get married. Uh, they they take a week honeymoon, and then, like, two months later, he, he sets off for London and then France. Uh, he's sent to the Western Front just in time for the Battle of the Somme. I don't, you got this. Battle of the Somme. Somme. No, I'm just going to say it like that. Somme, uh, and, and this is one of the bloodiest military battles in history. Uh, it lasts four months, and in the first day alone, British forces suffered 57,000 casualties. Uh, in total, more than a million men died, and about 420,000 of them were British, so yep. a little less than half. Yep. Uh, it was hell on earth for Tolkien and his... his um, comrades they had uh the the like least terrible thing that they had to deal with were the infestations of lice which every time they would try to go to sleep they would feel them just like nibbling on them jeez uh they tolkien ended up with trench fever yep. uh which actually was probably the thing that saved, saved his, his life, life. Yeah. yep he left the battlefront to recover at a hospital in november of 1916 uh through the next 2 years basically he kept having bouts of the illness um, and stayed at home doing service and helping at other camps. So this is probably the only reason he survived the war because all but one of his close friends, including pretty much everyone from TCBS, his like middle school or high school club, uh, died in the war. Yeah. Which is just crazy to think about that pretty much everyone you were friends with is dead. Yep. And on that happy note, <laughs> is this, that is, where, this is where we're cutting it. Is I this guess. where you want to end the show? This well, episode? He's, he's out of the war. Yeah. Did you watch the movie? I didn't because I looked, I was going to watch it and then I saw reviews for it. And like one of the first headlines was that the Tolkien family was like disavowing it. Yeah. And so were um, like biographers. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to watch the movie because I might get it mixed up in my head. Right. No. And it was n- like, especially towards the back half of the movie, it was nothing like what you just described. Like he and Edith in the movie, they don't get married until after he comes back from war. She, she, he professes his love to her as he's walking away to go get on the boat to leave for, for the for war and then and then he runs back and kisses her and then she's like yeah i'm gonna leave him and i love you uh and then he goes off to war and then he like spends half of it looking for his buddies because he knows that they're there somehow and then he goes out onto the onto the battlefront and sees like dragons and warriors and people showing up in the smoke and that's how he came up with the idea for Lord of the Rings and then he finds out that his buddy that he was looking for out there in the fields was dead the whole time and he had no chance of saving him. like there was some weird some weird they they had him getting kicked out of Oxford 
Um, and again, if this is true, we we should definitely be looking into it. That he got he was getting kicked out of Oxford because he can't like he couldn't keep up, and then they and then he got in trouble because of the bus incident where they they took over they didn't even take over a bus they found an abandoned bus and hung out with some ladies in there and then they got caught and then they got in trouble and so then the school kicked him out but then he was and then he found out that edith was getting uh married to somebody else in a letter so then he like lost his shit and went got all drunk and then he was like spouting off in front of the professor's uh, lodging in his made up language and then the language professor that's in charge of one of the colleges there at the university was like oh that was a made up language I, I recognize some Finnish and some Germanic and some some other stuff that I didn't quite understand he's like yeah I made it up you know whatever and then and he's like well why don't you come join my college and he's like oh I guess I'll I guess I will do that dude and then and then he becomes and then he goes off to war after he gets accepted into that college and then he comes back and he's a professor of that college so a lot of those things are definitely false some of them could be true like they they just they just merged a lot of stuff into yeah. it and i get the need to do that for a movie because like you got to keep it interesting but sure. also like i don't keep some of the basic timeline things going people yeah so uh was it entertaining at least it was really interesting to watch i like the guy that played tolkien he's a really good actor it's like nicholas holt right yeah okay um i'll probably watch it after this i just know my own brain and like it's hard for me to distinguish if you know some of the shit that they that they took and changed then it's worth watching because you know where you can kind of call bs on stuff so that is it that's a more light-hearted ending yeah uh Tolkien's a really interesting guy, and his early life was really interesting. I'll be excited to jump more into his later life and him starting to write a lot of stuff and meeting Lewis and that whole life-changing experience, at least for Lewis. Uh, and a lot of stuff I've read, it seems like Lewis was a lot more life-changed than Tolkien was by that relationship. So I want to see how that plays oh, out. Nice. Um uh, so yeah, so uh, that's this episode. Our next episode will be on Tolkien um, Part Two. Yay! I'm looking for I. Are you looking for the outro stuff? Uh, yes, I've got it now. Okay, so you already gave the tease for the next episode. Uh, Tyler, where can they find us? You guys can find us in a few different places. One of them is our uh, drive where I've saved our outro <laughs> document invi- that I'm... S- email us at lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com. Facebook uh, slash lewisandlovecraft. At lewisandlovecraft on Instagram. That's where we're the most active. Um, and you can always go to lewisandlovecraft.com. Also, side note, if you f- like us on Facebook, um, join our Facebook group. Because that's something that one of our friends, Devani, tipped me off to is that... People don't really f- see notifications for pages you like. Yeah. So if you actually want to get updates on our stuff, um, join the group. Um, yeah, and then it's you like can be a part of actual Lovecraft. conversations and things. Yeah, you can interact with us more. So that's something yeah. that's new. Yeah, so uh, lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com is where you can email us, which Hannah will have a, a very big thing about that in a minute. Facebook, um, at lewisandlovecraft on Instagram, and lewisandlovecraft.com is our website. Um, also... Uh, other places which we're going to talk about in a minute as well, right? Uh, just n- let's talk about it now. Patreon? Let's talk about Patreon. We've got patrons. Yeah. It's such a big deal. Like, it's a huge deal. We've got that people so that exciting. are supporting like our show. 
if you want to support our show, go to patron.com uh, backslash Lewis and Lovecraft, and you can support us at different tiers. We're not going to tell you which one. The $50 is the best one. I'm just going <laughs> to say that. <laughs> Looking at you, Bill Gates. Uh, $50 a month gets you the same exact stuff as $15 a month. So just saying that. Um Go, go support us. We really appreciate it. Uh, the the two people that are there now, um, you know, they're going to get some extra stuff soon. Uh, some stickers, some bonus content, that sort of stuff. And as always, we want to thank Jake Basson for our awesome intro music. You can find him at soundcloud.com slash Jake Basson. Tyler, what should people do to support us other than join our Patreon? Uh, let's see. You can subscribe. That's you can subscribe one. to our show on pa- Pod Chaser, Spotify, iTunes, Stitch, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our show, and you'll get updates whenever we do one of these episodes, like our deep dives, our main show, or a correspondence episode. Uh, you'll get that, and we talk nerdy stuff with nerdy people. And rate and review us if you can. Uh, that's always nice to hear what you think of the show. Yeah. And also, the most important thing you can do to help us is. Tell, tell a friend. friend. We say it every time. Yeah, just tell a friend about us. Take take two minutes out of your day and explain to somebody that the the nerdy guy and the chick that does all the work have a really good <laughs> podcast where they talk about people who have already died and whether they were gay or not. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's books. very good at yeah. selling. Uh, um, so, yeah. so a big, uh, as we, as we finish out, uh, a big thank you to our two patrons, Devani Angela and, oh man, I gotta get good at saying Damn, that Tyler. last name. Devani. And Gage. No, come on. What's her last name? I, you gotta say it. You you're gotta, just putting me on the spot for yeah. this? Okay. Um, oh God. I've never heard her say her name. You got this. I'm just going to say Anjali. Let's do that. And she will correct us. Oh my gosh, Devani, I'm sorry. I I I haven't heard you say your name. <laughs> she said it on the episode that she was on. Okay, time. well, I have not listened to that for a long oh, time. Oh wow, so. that's too bad. I'm one of her friends, and even I can't pronounce it because I'm terrible at names. Tyler can't pronounce any names, so I'm like a little, any name. I'm a little sorry. Like I he pronounces to, Henry. Wrong. I had to re-record the intro to some episodes because I've introduced people wrong. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not good at it. Also, Gage Runkle, thank you for being our second patron. Woohoo! I got that one right. The other thing that I almost forgot to say, uh, and that I'm just going to keep pushing like on every episode from now on, uh, we're doing another uh, flash fiction episode. Uh, it is a sci-fi theme this time. We've already got a few great submissions that have started to trickle in, so please send us your short science fiction stories, 500 to 700 words. Uh, email them to lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com by April 15th, and we will read them on our show. I mean, basically... I think we've already gotten one submission. We've, we've got two. Two? Yeah. Nice. I won't read them. I, I, read, I'm not yeah, reading ta- them. So. so, guys, help me out because I'm the one who has to do this, and I'm like very stressed out about it so are you you're starting to feel what i send felt, me huh? your stuff because tyler has set the bar so high and i just want to like i'm not going to clear the bar but i want to get close so i'm excited <laughs> help me out guys send me some awesome stories yeah uh, so we can make this as almost as cool as the halloween special i think we can make it as cool as the halloween <laughs> episode i think with the talent that we have associated with our show we can make something really cool. I mean, the stories that you we've got so something. far are as awesome as I expected. Um, we've oh, yeah. got at least one returning contributor. So. Yeah? Yes. Nice. So, Very yes. cool. Please, please send us your stuff. All right. 
And with that, we're going to say goodbye and also say, speak friend and... Pipe home.